hello and welcome to Comic Book Cabinet. My name is Wes. And my name is Adam. And today we are talking about Iron Man some more. Just a little I, bit more. I know we got into it last week, but there's just so much to cover. We had to split it up into two because Iron Man is just way cooler than Green Lantern. Oh, I... Mm, I don't know. I don't... I. <laughs> You caught me off guard with that one. I disagree. However, there is a lot more of Iron Man than there is of Green Lantern. Well, that's because he's better, Adam. So last week we left off and we promised we would start with Extremis. And I did indeed finish Iron Man 3. Good, good. And we will talk about it at the end of this episode, and I've got a lot to say about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So Extremis. I loved this in the comic books, though. Oh, the comic book extreme is just so freaking cool. It is. It's what started the MCU Iron Man, right? Without it, we would not have. Uh, One of the cover designers, Adi Granov, he was the one who helped design Iron Man, his suit of armor for uh, Iron Man 1. Really? Yeah. So Man, that's cool. And I love his artwork. It's just so smooth and clean. The shading on the Iron Man and the suit itself is just, it's beautiful artwork. Right. Well, and it really shows off. Too, I mean, if you look at the older comics in the MCU, Iron Man's suit's kind of goofy looking. I think if you look at the older comics in comparison to the MCU, is what I mean. I guess his older suits just kind of look goofy to me. They look like tin suits. They look a little clunky. They look a little knightish. Like he yeah. has the shin guards, he has the thigh guards, and the shoulder pads. It, almost but like a now, hockey outfit. Now it's like he can step into his second skin almost. Right, right. Yeah, the MCU Iron Man suit is just done super well, and it's completely based off the Extremis for sure. So Extremis, written by Warren Ellis, designed by Adi Granov, is just a beautiful beginning of the modern storytelling style. We really start this story off without knowing anything about what's going to be happening later in the show we're just given this uh this these people trying to uh inject somebody with something we yeah. don't even know what it is and you can't it, even really tell if he's kidnapped or if he's part of the group like he's not really resisting a whole lot but it, then they leave him they just they leave dump him in like warehouse. a warehouse yeah and they're gone and you have no idea what's going on and then you visit iron man and one of his best friends, Mia Hansen, uh, she's having a problem at Future Farm. And then, so Tony just hops on a plane, uh, packs his car up, and I'm using air quotes, his car <laughs> is uh, packed into a box and put on the plane, and he just flies off to Austin, Texas to visit with Maya Hansen. And she tells him that uh, her boss was found dead, and he had admitted to selling their project. The two of them were working on the same project together called Extremis. And uh, he had sold this product to somebody else. And she has no idea who these people are or how to find them. She is just distraught. So what does Tony do to console her? Yeah, so Tony ends up flying her to Seattle. Because that's what you do when you're rich. Right, absolutely. You just, you've got money to throw around, right? You take your car to Austin, then you fly to Seattle. Right. Or wherever. And or you maybe have your, it was San Francisco. I think I you have your car flown there. It, it had to be San Francisco because they're meeting Sal in the Mere Woods. Yes. Yeah. And Sal turns out to be like an old friend of theirs. I guess he taught them whenever they were in college or like at a conference or something. You know, it's not really important. It's just that Tony Stark looks up to this man as a all-seeing oracle almost. Yeah, and he's really awesome. Like, he's this old hippie that just kind of lives out in the middle of the woods. He does shrooms and smokes pot. and like, Wears flip-flops. Yeah. Uh, he's hey, There's, in the future, whenever uh, they... In the future, whenever they're on like some of Shield's helicarriers, everyone else is dressed up in military outfits, and he's in like sandals and shorts, and you know he's just chilling out. He's just a homie. And then we cut back to this guy 
who is injected. He's in this like black cocoon and he's breaking out of it. It's really freaky. And it's again, it looks shady as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And he breaks out and he attacks a military base. And at this point, he's like bleeding from the face. His eyes are completely yeah. black. He seems like really overpowered almost. You can't, you still really don't know what's going on at this point. Right. Uh, but he invades this military base. He just starts wrecking their face. He's killing everybody to the left and to the right. He actually, there's some of these gruesome, gruesome scenes of him just ripping people in half. And, uh, and, we cut back to Tony and Maya getting a lecture from some shaman on the hill who's probably high right now. It's kind of interesting because he's really talking to them about Iron Man and the suit and how that relates to Maya's project with extremists and how they're kind of both one and the same, I guess. Like, the suit is your means to an end, Tony. Extremist was Maya's means to an end, basically. Yeah. And so he's kind of trying to level the playing field between the two of them, I would say. And then we find out the guy's name is Malin. Yes. And uh, he, while she is explaining the extremist virus to Tony and Sal, we see Malin doing these things on the military base and attacking. Right. Like, she's talking about how it makes you a superhuman. I mean, it, it increases all of your strength. It increases your vision, so that way you can see, like, you almost time slows down for you. Like, it just makes you a superhuman. It's very equivalent to what they gave Captain America, I would say. So there, And that's what she describes it as, is a super soldier serum that she's trying to make. Right. Uh, but basically it rewrites your DNA and the repair center in the in the middle of your brain. And it we're not really too sure if this is like nanotechnology or if this is actually part of like your DNA, if, it, if it's like just some sort of code that restructures your DNA. Uh, they don't really go too far into that, I don't think, at this point. Not at this point. We learn later on, because this extremist uh, storyline is introduced in 2004. Right. And leading all the way up to Tony Stark, the Invincible Iron Man. Which is happening right which now. Which is the issue that's going on right now, yeah. Extremists is still a thing. Right. So this has been going on for over 10 years in the Iron Man realm. Uh, 2004 was 15 years ago, guy. Over 10 years. I was still correct. You were, okay. <laughs> I'm not wrong on this. <laughs> you but may, yeah. You may be more huge. accurate, but... <laughs> but it's it's a long time to keep one single plot point alive. It is. Especially it is. in the comic book world. But it's not too different than uh, whenever they bring up his alcohol issues. I mean, they've been bringing those up since the 60s. Iron Man is nothing if not consistent. That's very true. So back into Extremis, uh, we kind of get an issue that's really neat because it's Malin's backstory, and we are seeing him trek across America. He has said that he is going to Washington, D.C. To, to seek revenge, basically. And it, we find out that his family were sovereign citizens, and at some point in time, the FBI or the local police department, someone busted into his home and killed all of his family, and at this point, he's grown up, and he just wants to get back at the systematic America. He wants to take down D.C., uh, he's, I would say, a white power kind of guy. He's a bad dude. Yeah, he's he's super nasty. And then uh, we've actually find Iron Man trying to track him down. He basically found this map that described Malin's uh, trek across country to D.C. So Iron Man's flying across the country trying to track him down, and he does. And they get into this amazing huge fight on the highway. Oh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's reminded me so much of uh, The Matrix Reloaded. There's that big fight between Neo and the twins that are like, I don't remember what their what their names were in the movies, but it's in the middle of this highway, and they're like fighting on 18-wheelers, and cars are getting involved. It's so much like that. At one point in time, I believe that Malin just drops a 
car on Tony. Yeah, he picks this car. He doesn't just drop. He picks the car up and slams and, like, it right slams into it him. down like yeah. a hammer on top of him. And then you see Iron Man that his battery is just dead. You see it run out zero percent. It's kind of like going into a shutdown mode. Yes. Malin just blue-screened Iron Man. <laughs> Literally. Absolutely. And Iron Man's kind of freaking out because at this point in the comics, unlike in the MCU, people don't know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Like, this entire time, we've had this weird flip-flop back and forth where sometimes people know he's Iron Man, sometimes they don't. It kind of depends on who's writing him. Uh, but at this point in time, people do not know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. It's still kind of the whole idea that Iron Man is just Tony's bodyguard. Uh, this is several years before Civil War. So officially right. in the comic book world, nobody knows who Iron Man is right now. Right, and no one really knows a lot of the other superheroes either. So he calls in backup, and Maya is the one that shows up on site to basically get him back into the... Uh, well, she takes him back to Future Farm in Austin, Texas, yeah. Uh, she brings him into uh, into the extremist laboratory room. Right. And he asks to actually help her like use a key to unlock the door to get into... The room where extremist virus and the laboratory for it. She puts him up on the gurney. She rewrites his DNA a little bit. He's like, hold on, wait a minute. I read about extremists. When did you read about it? Five minutes ago. And he completely reprograms extremists sitting there on the uh, gurney about to die himself. And then she injects him with extremists. Yeah, and this whole time he has really forced her into doing this. He does. She does not want anything to do with the extremists to some extent. Like she knows it's not fully tested. She keeps warning Tony over and over again, like, "Hey, this is not this is not very vetted. Something may happen here." And he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. I've reprogrammed it because I'm Iron Man and I'm Tony Stark and I know how your program works better than you do." Then Tony wakes up. And he is better. He went into a cocoon just like Malin did at the beginning Very of the movie. Very similar, yeah. And then it, it takes a little while for the DNA to be rewritten. He wakes up. Everything seems to be fine. He has actually reprogrammed extremists so that his underlay, his undergarments of his suit, is uh, stored in the hollow of his bones. Which I guess it completely replaced his bone marrow? Well, there's still a lot of empty space in there, and apparently the nanobots that are this... Let's not think about it too much. All right, all right. Basically, all right. when uh, Tony Stark thinks, I want to be Iron Man, the nanobots climb out, and they envelop his entire skin, and he becomes Iron Man, and his suit can attach to this undergarment. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. I mean, he basically died, rebooted himself with someone else's technology, and then reprogrammed his body to be better. He is faster, he's stronger, he's everything that the extremist Project Malin was but with an Iron Man suit. So he goes after Malin. He finds Malin, and they have another fight, except this one's a little more one-sided. Yeah, Tony <laughs> does not let him breathe at all. Malin just gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> Absolutely handed to him. Yeah, I, at one point, Tony Stark gives uh, Malin a great big hug, and then he uses the Unibeam to just blast a hole in this dude's chest. Yeah, Let me see you come from back from that. It's one of the first times we really see Iron Man just lay foot to ass and kill somebody, because he's, he's even kind of talking himself through it near the end of near the end of this fight, and he says, all right, this guy's too dangerous. There's nothing else I can do. Can't let him live. So he kills Malin, and he returns to Maya. Uh, we see a couple of scenes where they're kind of cleaning up after Malin and everything, and he goes back to Future Farm, and he kind of tells her, like, hey, I figured out what's going on here. 
Yeah, uh, I just want to notice that it takes two people to enter the lab that Extremis is contained in. Right. So he realizes that basically Extremis got leaked, that she and her boss had leaked Extremis on purpose. And she even kind of admits, like, well, they were going to cut our funding. Uh, it was one of those things where we could leak it, maybe the government would see it, and then they'd have to redo our funding so that way we could countermeasure against it. Or maybe they would just see the significance in it. Uh, I guess she probably didn't know what she was hoping for at this point. So Maya goes to prison. Iron Man Tony Stark gets a brand new suit. Everything's hunky-dory. We're back into normal Iron Man Monster of the Week sort of deal. I would say that the extremist... It's it's a virus. It's called the extremist virus. The extremist virus. This is really, in my opinion, kind of what started the MCU for Iron Man. It definitely happened just before the the happenings in the MCU, definitely. I would say that this is really one of the the big key comics that they use to really help build out the Iron Man that we see in the MCU. It's shortly after this series runs, uh, Jon Favreau actually writes a comic book series about Iron Man. Oh, wow, that's incredible. And that's probably what spawned Iron Man 1, I guess. Exactly. Well, no, it was after Iron Man 1 gotcha. was done. Okay. Uh, he goes back and they exploit the MCU a little bit in comic books, but we don't talk about that a whole lot. Instead, we're going to talk about Execute Program, which was the series, the storyline that's that happened right after Extremis. Uh, there's not a lot to say about it, except the son of Ho Jensen comes back and makes an appearance. Oh, okay. Very uh, cool. Do you remember who Ho Jensen is? Yeah, Ho Jensen is the uh, the guy that helped Iron Man, or, well, helped Tony Stark create Iron Man. That was the original uh, doctor that helped him form that suit in Vietnam. And, and in this storyline, it's in Afghanistan. Gotcha. So because yeah. that's where they rewrote it in Extremis. At the exactly. very beginning of Extremis, there's like a quick, short bout where he's being interviewed by someone, and it kind of reveals the same opening and the same reveal of his origination. Origination? Origin Ori- story. Origin story. Thank you, Wes. I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> and uh, it, it's in Afghanistan. But what's cool is they've literally taken the same storyline and just moved it to a different part of the world to fit what was happening in current events. But here we are. Now we're with the son of Ho Jensen. He has actually taken control of Tony Stark. Probably because of extremists. Wow, so it's kind of like what they did with Justin Hammer back in the older comics, except instead of him controlling the suit, he's controlling actual Tony, since the suit's now kind of inside of him. And now Tony is killing anybody associated with the death of Ho Jensen. Wow. It seems like the son of Ho Jensen should have a name. But they never give him one. No. In the entire time, he is just referenced as the son of Ho Jensen. Yeah, he's kind of like an unnamed villain in this entire series. I don't. I mean, I think Tony would definitely consider him a villain for sure, but is he justified? And at this point, we're now getting into 2006, uh, which is Civil War. Right, and we covered Civil War in our Spider-Man episode, uh, so go and check out the Spider-Man episode. If you've never heard of Civil War before... Basically, it's a registration act between Captain America and Iron Man. Iron Man wants anyone out there that has some sort of superhuman ability to be registered. Everyone would know who they are. Uh, Their names would be revealed. And Captain America, of course, doesn't. Now, Tony wins in the long run, and he ends up getting Captain America arrested. There's a whole lot of craziness that happens, so go check out our Spider-Man episode. And now Tony Stark is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's interesting because Tony as director kind of ushers in this new age of S.H.I.E.L.D. There are a lot of people that are really happy with the way that he's running things. He's running it like a business instead of running it like a secret organization. And there are people that love it, and then there are a lot of people that are really unhappy with it. Dum Dum Dugan is one of those people who are very unhappy with the way Tony Stark is leading the uh, leading S.H.I.E.L.D. because... 
it is the most profitable it's ever been. It's the most efficient it's ever been. But instead of sitting in his office, leading and making decisions and having other people go out, Tony Stark suits up as Iron Man and goes to save the day, which Dum Dum Dugan is trying to argue that maybe it's undercutting the men and their abilities to accomplish certain objects, uh, objectives. Right, and the people he's arguing with even tells him, like, hey, in the last 18 missions, how many people have died? And Dugan none. goes, well, none. And he's like, all right, then what are you complaining about? And he just tells him, like, there's just something about him. I can't really get it off my chest. I can't really tell you what it is, but he just doesn't do things the way I like. And I will tell you that there are several times throughout this entire series where, you know, like he doesn't show up to a couple of the soldiers' funerals because he's too busy working on something. And like if you were in the military, you would know that there is nothing that would ever keep you from something like that. So I can see why Dugan wouldn't be super happy with him. I mean, you've got some playboy millionaire trying to run the military. And the military is not happy about it. The one he's arguing to is a senator who is extremely satisfied with the way Tony is dealing with it. Right. And, you know, it, we turn into a whole slew of issues. They end up trying to track down a couple of missing agents that they, they're not too sure what happened to them. And it turns out that they eventually find the Mandarin, these missing agents do. They find him, like, basically in a uh, homeless shelter in the middle of nowhere. And he was being kept in the basement. They release him, and it releases this crazy virus along with him that starts taking over all of the different agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it ends up trying to take over kind of like the entire ship that Tony is commanding. And this is where a few people die, including his good friend Sal that we talked about from Extremis. And on top of that, you know, this kind of makes Tony realize like, okay, maybe I shouldn't really be running the, the whole entirety of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, and he ends up taking down this crazy virus with extremists. He, like, modifies it to go in and fix things, which was kind of neat. Um, but, you know, I, I think this director of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends up leading Tony to realize that maybe he shouldn't be running S.H.I.E.L.D. like a business. That's just not the way it works. And eventually, uh, War Machine takes over. Uh, in fact, the issue cover is shows director of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the issue. But then stamped over the top of it, it's a war machine, weapon of S.H.I.E.L.D. And of course you end up with several other people that run S.H.I.E.L.D. over time. I think Norman Osborn controls S.H.I.E.L.D. for a little while. Eventually you end up with Mariah Hill as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which is probably a whole lot better, especially for poor Dum Dum Dugan. Yeah, I'm sure he's very happy with that. And I believe that leads us into Marvel Now. Marvel Now is when they kind of do a small reboot of the entire Marvel Universe. So you're not a big fan of the Marvel Now series, huh? Well, this the one for Iron Man wasn't too bad. It wasn't, but we've read a couple of the others. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I was a bigger fan of the new DC's New 52 than the Marvel Now series. Well, the Marvel Now starts off with uh, Maya Hansen popping up out of a sewer grate, running away from a bunch of guys from AIM. Absolutely. And, and she grabs a cell phone off of one guy, sends off a text message just in time before she is killed. It turns out that there was a total kill switch that she had, basically. She texted it, it messages Tony and says, hey, Extremis is out there. And we see several issues where Tony tracks down Extremis using uh, chemical signatures that Maya had put in as safeguards. And I believe he tracks it to four different locations all over the world. And some people are using it for bad. Some people are trying to. Eventually, you find one that was actually like a senator that was trying to use it to heal his daughter. Well, it was uh, some sort of a rich man in Mexico yeah. who had spent his very last peso on acquiring the extremist virus to save his daughter. And you almost feel bad for the guy. Yeah, that Even was actually Tony a heart-touching series. 
And so Tony ends up letting his daughter be healed up. He modifies extremists so she can't turn into this like massive weapon of destruction. And he takes it from this senator, this this rich man. I believe in the MCU he was a senator. That's probably why I'm getting confused. Uh, and he lets him be. And extremists has been resolved. And at this point, Tony actually ends up kind of messing around with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And one of the big things about this storyline from Marvel now is it completely mirrors Armor Wars from early in the series where uh, oh, yeah, Tony Stark that. had to fight Obadiah Stane. Right. It's almost like they ripped a storyline and it matched up word for word. Yeah, it's like they took Armor Wars and just subbed out extremists for the different armor yeah. suits. Tony feels guilty about technology, doesn't want it in the wrong hands, and he goes and ends those people's ability to access that technology. Right, and once again, he, he picks up everything he needs to be able to keep it out of their hands. And then he pretty much just fucks off. <laughs> Literally screw fucks off because he, so far, in fact, he goes into outer space. Yeah, so he decides that he wants to take a little bit of a break. He clears it with the, the board of Stark Industries. And then he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy with a brand new, like, suit that allows him to breathe in space. Why not? Yeah, and we didn't read the Guardians of the Galaxy issues that he's involved in. We just picked up right where he is actually in space. He's kind of, I would say he's finished his run with the Guardians, and we're going to pick up with that storyline whenever we read Guardians of the Galaxy, which will probably be season five or six. Who knows? 12, 14. <laughs> uh, so we're in the God Killer story arc, and this is actually really kind of a fun storyline. I liked it a lot better than the Extremist Armor War storyline. That's definitely. for sure. It was, it was definitely a stronger story. Uh, he has joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's out in space but then he gets captured by a group of aliens yeah and i gotta say i love these aliens because whenever they're first introduced he's on this other planet he's surrounded by these aliens and kind of like a, an alien bar he's trying to pick up these alien chicks he finds this alien girl that he thinks is really hot he gets back to her room he takes off his mask and she loses it she just flips out yeah what is that on your face and he's kind of checking and he's like I, what are you talking about and she's like all that keratin on your face <laughs> he's it, like i could shave i could just shave no get out of my room and never grace the presence of my door again <laughs> like, <laughs> one of the best scenes it was great because uh, it's so unexpected for uh, like tony stark to get thrown out of a woman's room that's definitely number two on my list of favorite tony stark scenes yeah. number one is uh when he meets up with dr strange and they're ah. about to give each other high fives. And Tony's like, come on, high five. We're beard bros. We're beard bros. Yeah. And out of a 22, <laughs> 23 page comic book series, they dedicate an entire page to that joke of Tony Stark there just sitting there waiting for a high five from Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, it's great. And what's uh, I love Doctor Strange. So anyways, uh, Tony ends up doing something that pisses off these aliens, and he gets arrested, they steal his suit from him, and they put him on trial. Now, while he's on trial and kind of in his jail cell, a robot shows up named 451 and releases his suit and helps Tony in the middle of a big uh, Coliseum fight. He's trying to like fight for his freedom, basically. He's able to get the suit on, and he's able to fight off the bounty hunter that this alien race has hired to kill him in the Coliseum. I believe his name's Deathhead, if I remember correctly. So 451 is able to get him out of there using his suit, but as he's escaping, he turns around and sees that the Ancients of the Galaxy have showed up. We're talking like Galactus and all of his buddies, and they just wreck this world. Now, we know that 451 stole something from this alien race, but we don't really quite know what it is at this point. So these Ancients eradicate the entire race. Tony gets really pissed off, and he wants to seek justice against 451, so he ends up going after him. And we kind of get this really weird backstory where 451 kind of sits Tony down and is like, listen, Tony, I'm your daddy. 
Well, uh, four five one has these really strange powers. He has the ability to basically hack Tony's suit yeah. and make Tony do whatever he wants him to. Yeah, Tony's AI is not responding to him at all. I think he's running Jarvis at this point. That sounds about right. And he he just the AI is like, sorry, bud, nothing I can do about it. So we end up seeing that four five one worked with Howard Stark way back in the past to help create a quote unquote weapon for Earth. Through Tony. Basically, 451 realizes that the Earth is going to die, that humans are ruining everything, and he is going to create a being who cares so much about humankind, he will do and is smart enough to effect change. Right. Uh, it's sort of a climate change storyline, like the world is going to end, so let me help the human race out by creating the super baby. Howard Stark's not super happy about it, so he creates his own little concoction that he injects into the womb which messes with 451's plans. Uh, the baby comes out, practically stillborn. There's not really a whole lot they can do for it. Uh, so they have to put it in an iron lung. It needs special care. And uh, if this is the case, then t uh, Howard Stark really screwed up. Yeah, and he definitely. doesn't want 451 to figure out about it. So they hide the baby. And then they like bring do. and uh, adopt Tony. So Tony Stark is an adopted child of Howard Stark. So it's odd that he's even a genius to begin with, right? Like, it just happened to be the right baby, I guess, that they chose. It's sort of like in Green Lantern when they explain why the Green Lantern has a weakness to yellow, except it doesn't quite work that well. Sure. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you're going with there. Uh, and it's interesting because Tony ends up finding out about his half-brother that's semi-disabled. Uh, his name's actually Arno, and he has been hanging out in this iron lung, and he's actually kind of interesting because he's completely mentally aware but his body is what's lacking um eventually iron man eventually tony is able to kind of help him out they use a version of the extremist to heal his body right yeah arno actually rewrites extremists just like tony does basically looks at the code real quick in about five minutes figures out how everything works with course, the extremist virus of course because when you're stark you just know how that works rewrites it and now arno can go fight with tony hit his own set of armor with his own extremist body. And they, if I remember correctly, they actually end up killing 451, don't they? They do work together and take him out. Yeah. Now, I'm really interested. We find out now that Arno is the name of Tony's, like, uh, what would you, stepbrother, I guess? Uh, Yeah, sure, stepbrother. Well, that when works. we were reading the Legend of Doom series in the last episode, the future incarnate of Tony Stark, like his late descendant, what, great-great-grandson or something, his name was Arno. So I wonder if maybe he was named after this Arno? Or maybe this Arno was the one that was born in the future, and uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a fun little tieback. And all this leads into a really fun series called Superior Iron Man. It's a lot of fun, right, Wes? No. <laughs> so here's, about Superior Iron Man. Here's the thing with Superior Iron Man. I haven't read a lot of outside comic books, especially in the Marvel Universe. Adam, do you remember a storyline centered around Red Skull? And then uh, Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch like combined together to cast a spell to flip the personality of Red Skull. Yeah, that, that actually sounds vaguely familiar. I kind of remember that. So the spell is way stronger than what they thought it would be. So and a lot of superheroes get their personalities flipped from good to bad. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. though Red Skull goes from bad to good. Right. I remember this storyline, uh, and the big thing I remember about it is that it sucked. And no one really liked it. So we're going to breeze over this just real <laughs> quick. Iron Man uh, becomes a bad guy. Like, Tony is always a little bit of a dick, but you always still kind of like him. In Superior Iron Man, Tony Stark is a huge dick. Like, he... 
as Iron Man, there's a there's a character going a villain out there just like wrecking fences or something. And instead of going to stop him, he just uh, Tony Stark shows up and's like, dude. You're uh, going about this villain thing all wrong. It's all about branding. <laughs> I can imagine that uh, Tony Stark would be the one guy that's like, it's not about what you do, it's about how you look. And it's about how good you look doing it and how much money you can make off of doing it. So he creates the extremist virus that he can release to the public. Everybody gets access to it. They can rewrite it any way they want to promote their own body. Oh, wow. Like 24 hours later, a week later, they all collapse. And on their little cell phone pops up a message like, hey, you uh, did you enjoy the extremist virus? For only $99.99 a day, you can keep it going. Press here now. Did you enjoy Comic Book Cabinet? Because if you want to keep it going, $9.99 now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, man, so th- eventually uh, Pepper Potts has to don an Iron Man suit. She becomes rescue and she kills Tony Stark. Uh, then we pretend it never happened, and we go into a little bit of Original Sin. Yeah, so Original Sin's a lot of fun. I, this was a series that I really enjoyed when it was happening. I don't really know that it did super well with audiences. Uh, I'm not too sure how it was received, but I know that I enjoyed it. Essentially, Uatu, who is a watcher. There are these creatures out there that are just known as watchers. They watch the universe, and they record it. They... I played Ultimate Alliance. I yeah. actually know who Uatu is. Awesome, yeah. So you know that he never interacts with people. They, like, he just watches. Except he does. Well, Uatu is an exception, right? So Uatu is the one that he ends up murdered, actually, in the original Sin. Ooh. And there are a couple of heroes that go to kind of investigate what's going on with him. And during this investigation, they end up seeing some of these repressed memories or kind of things that they forgot uh, and each individual hero actually has a bunch of revelations happen. I got to tell you right there, just listening to you describe that, I would hate it too because it seems too convenient of a way to rewrite a backstory. And that's almost exactly what they do. Uh, every individual hero kind of has their own backstory rewritten in some sort of way. I'm not going to talk about all of them, obviously. I just want to talk about uh, Iron Man and, and how this affected Tony. The big thing that happened here is that Tony and the Hulk all of a sudden kind of see these memories or these flashes back from the past. It turns out that Tony helped work on the gamma bomb that turned Banner into the Hulk. And it's kind of interesting because at first the Hulk is really pissed off about it. And he's like, oh, well, you had to have been the one that upped the gamma rays that turned me into the Hulk. And then it turns out that... Tony was actually the one lowering the gamma rays and trying to make it more safe, while Banner was the one raising the gamma rays. In fact, Tony had actually sent Banner an email, apparently back in the day, that said like, hey man, you're not doing this the right way, you need to be really careful with what you're doing here, it's going to cause you some issues. However, the Banner never got that email, so he turned into the Hulk. And that was pretty much it. Uh, I mean, once Banner and Tony kind of discussed it, talked it out, figured out what had happened, the Hulk forgave them and things moved on. Because that's what the Hulk does is uh, listen and forget uh, and yeah. forgive. Yeah, that's well. And so the thing is, is original sin's fun. I would recommend going and reading it. We're going to cover it in some other comics eventually, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, original sin's just a little different. And then we get into Brian Michael Bendis and his run of Iron Man. Bendis is so freaking good, man. Like, I I don't care what Bendis writes. I'm going to read it. I just I loved his his Iron Man series up until this one. I would agree with you. Uh, I enjoyed most of the story. I don't like how it ended. Okay, that's fair. I get what you're saying. 
But uh, in this series, which is about 20 or 30, it's about 20 or 30 issues long, uh, he, Iron Man winds up hiring MJ from Peter Parker land. Which I thought was really strange. It is weird because she leaves Peter Parker to uh, not deal with heroes. his superhero bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she's dragged into superhero bullshit. Of course. And all she wants to do is run a club, man. Like, why can't she just have a club? And it's hilarious how it works because she's up on stage talking to the crowd like, hey, I moved to Chicago to get away from those crazy superheroes. Enjoy the party! And who shows up but Iron Man and uh, Victor Don Von Victor Von Doom to have a big fight in the middle of the club? Yeah, yeah. Poor girl. Poor girl just can't get ahead. But she winds up saving Tony Stark by using a microphone stand to bash somebody about to kill him. That's not wrong. And she also ends up saving Tony Stark from his own board of directors. I mean, she, she... While Tony Stark goes undercover and he's kind of working on some undercover business, uh, the board of directors are like, hey, Tony's been gone for a few months now. you got to figure something out here. And the, in the background, his AI Friday is actually running the business itself. And they kind of know it, too. And she calls MJ and is like, hey, we need you to kind of actually come and show up and just be here for a little bit. And so she makes it look like she's running the company and she's been hired by Tony. And she saves them from actually taking over. And uh, Tony is fighting uh, an evil villain called the Techno Gollum. Yeah, which the whole this is time. the only time that it's ever mentioned. And it's actually kind of a cool villain. It's a fun villain, yeah. Uh, but in the long scheme of things, she hasn't shown back up as far as I'm aware. So Techno Gollum, not super important. So Bendis did other really important things with the Iron Man line that are still Absolutely. going on today. Absolutely. Uh, for instance, he introduces a character called Riri Williams, who right. is an MIT student working on a suit of armor similar to Iron Man on a dare, yeah. just because she feels like I it. I wish I was smart enough that someone could just be like, well, hey, I dare you to build an Iron Man suit. And I thought, okay, I can get that done. Uh, so she's introduced. Uh, eventually, Tony Stark learns about her, as does Pepper Potts and uh, Mariah Hill. Right. While Tony was kind of away uh, doing his undercover business, we see Riri kind of coming up as a new up-and-coming hero. Uh, she's been featured on the news a few times, and he's like, all right, I got to go check this out. So he goes and checks her out. And sees the work she's doing, kind of approves of it. Like, he's like, yeah, you're doing good work, but you need an AI. And that's where she asks him for one. There's this great scene because he says something along the lines of like, well, my AI costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. And she's like, all right, well, just give me one. And, and <laughs> someone goes, yeah, no, that's not happening. Like, you're going to have to, you know. Build your own, Build lady. your own. And she goes, okay. Well, okay. You did it. And that's it's so great because Tony's like flabbergasted by this. And she's like, well, what? You did it. You know? If you uh, can do it, I can do it. I liked it. I thought that was fun. This whole line is leading up to Civil War II. Right. And Civil War II is one that we covered during our Captain Marvel episode. Uh, but we'll get into the small details here. We'll tell us a little yeah, bit about the Iron Man part. Just real quick. Civil War II deals with an inhuman named Ulysses Kane. He can basically... Sort of tell the future, maybe, but not really, but he can base it off a of probability. Iron Man believes that you shouldn't just believe this guy and make decisions off of something that may or may not be true, whereas Carol Danvers believes, as Captain Marvel, that maybe we should protect the world if we can protect the world. They start fighting. Captain Marvel punches Iron Man so hard, she puts him in a coma. Like People think he's basically dead at this point, and right. he might as well be. Yeah, I mean, he's dead to the world for sure. So he's uh, stuck off in a chamber somewhere, and who takes over the Iron Man line but Riri Williams as Ironheart. And it's really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this series. Uh, Riri Williams has really kind of come into her own character, I feel like. Uh, she ends up with an AI that is Tony. 
Tony uh, has put basically his consciousness into a computer, and this consciousness is helping Riri become Ironheart and do good for the world. Right. And this entire time, she's working under someone named Amanda that is actually Tony's biological mother? Yeah, she showed up at some point and said, hey, son, good to see you again. He said, hi, mom. Yeah, and I, I think it was actually right as Civil War started. So she shows up, and Tony's unconscious. Basically dead. How bloody so we have several issues of Ironheart, and the final run of the Ironheart series is uh, the search for Tony Stark. And this is where they're basically, his body's disappeared, and she's out looking for him. Uh, thanks to one guy who comes back from the past, a blast from the past, the one, the only, Leonardo da Vinci. And I totally didn't see that coming out of anywhere. That kind of came out of left field for me. Left, left field. Yeah. Like so, from the foul line, bullpen area. Right. So she teams up with Leonardo da Vinci to kind of usher in the new age of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he feels like, well, my current S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of got ruined. And apparently Leonardo da Vinci is the one who created the original S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And mm. she ends up joining a team named the Champions. Uh, she fights with Nova and Viv, who you probably don't know who Viv is yet. Uh, that's Vision's daughter uh, from oh, a recent cool. series. All right. Vision is really cool. I'm sure you at least know who Vision is. I've watched MCU. I've played Ultimate Alliance. I know a little bit. He's got a Yellowstone in the middle of his red forehead. Yes. So Vision's really cool, uh, but she teams up with a couple of other superheroes, goes out into space. I mean, like, she's really turned into her own hero. And Blade's involved somewhere. Yeah, which I always forget that Blade is owned by Marvel. That always, like, totally blows my mind. It's hard to believe, like, uh, Blade was some of the original Marvel movies. Right. I love... I really enjoyed the Blade movies a lot myself. I wish they could actually tie that into the MCU a little bit. That would be really interesting. Uh, maybe at some point they will. So eventually, Tony Stark is never found. He just shows back up, of course. Uh, says hi to mom. Um, and the very final issue for Bendis, it's issue number 600 in the Iron Man line. And this is when they did the weird number flop, right? Because yeah. his was like, I remember his was like up to issue 16 or 17, and then they went and did the legacy numbering system. Right, they went back to issue number 593. Okay. And so they went 593 to 600. Gotcha. And the final issue that Brian Michael Bendis will ever write, well, not ever, but at this point has ever written for Marvel Universe is issue number 600 of Iron Man. Right. Uh, uh, like two weeks later or th uh, four weeks later, he began his line on Superman for DC. Which is going to be really, really good, I bet. Probably, as Brian Michael Bendis. Of course, it's going to be good. So the final issue of Iron Man, uh, he shows uh, Tony Stark is back. He uh, His mother is talking to Tony Stark's original biological father, who is actually a member of Hydra. And then uh, they get back up. Basically, a bunch of armors show up, Riri shows up with a bunch of her buddies, and there's a big fight when they basically take out Tony's dad. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's where it ends, pretty much. It's just like, hey, rah, rah, rah. Uh, and Leonardo da Vinci shows up to tell them about his plans. And then something really cool happens in issue number 601. Dan Slott takes over. Uh, the good old Dan. So you remember Dan Slott from Spider-Man? I do, and I love this man. And Dan Slott, he's, he's incredible. Like, it, that dude is as good as Bendis, in my opinion. And without going too far into the modern run, because right now what Slott, Dan Slott is writing is Tony Stark, colon, Iron Man. That's the issue that's going on right now for Iron Man. Absolutely. I think at the time of our recording, there are 12 issues in, and it's been a huge hit. People are loving this series. I refused to read past one before we recorded because I didn't want to talk about it, and I am dying. I'm, in fact, I have not started a pull list. This is the end of season one. 
and I have not done a pull list yet, yeah. I'm going to start with this one with Iron Man. Ah, because awesome. this is a beautiful storyline. Uh, Dan Slott, it writes a snarky Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. It's that incredible. beautiful. It's literally as if he has just personified Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. And uh, one spoiler. Can you name the very first suit that Dan Slott pulls out in his run of Iron Man? I can. It is the Triple FB. Triple FB. Yeah. I love the name for this thing. And we're not going to spoil for you guys what the Triple FB stands for. But if you love Iron Man and you've been listening to us, you can probably figure it out. Yes. Uh, I loved watching Adam's face when he realized what it was. It yeah. was beautiful. And I got to say, I'm really excited because I just sent off my Iron Man number one uh, to CGC to get graded. Yeah, I found uh, an issue. It was Iron Man number one. I've been told that it'll probably be graded at about a 4.8. That's so, not bad. For what you told me about this, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Uh, by the time that this episode airs, I probably still won't have the issue back. Cool. So, CGC is like forever behind. Right, but if you want to find out what Adam's number one Iron Man uh, comes back as... Uh, check us out on Twitter. We will definitely be posting about it there. Oh, yeah. That almost sounds like we're signing off. I promise you we're not. You're we're still stuck going, with us. Yeah. You're, we're going to talk about Iron Man in today's culture. Let's start. Let's just start with the MCU. Yeah. Because I mean, really and truly, Iron Man number one, the very first movie, kicked off the MCU with a bang. Absolutely. It sure did. Before Iron Man number one. Uh, they had had done a couple of Hulk movies, and they were just okay. And I don't even think it was actually the MCU at that point in time. Like Hulk was owned by Universal. They did a few movies. Um, I believe that there was. I'm trying to think of what else had even been out. Fantastic Four, the X Men movies. There's but, a couple of movies that like Sony put right. out, Universal's put out a few, and they've all kind of fallen flat on their face. Uh, didn't do a real good job, but Marvel said, you know what? Screw you guys. We're gonna do it ourselves. Yeah. So they ended up doing Iron Man One with John Favreau. And holy cow. It I pulled mean, me in instantly. I had never cared about comic book anything at this point. I watched the very first Iron Man in the movie theaters and was blown away. Yeah, it is absolutely... I mean, it started what the MCU is now. So just to give you guys a kind of frame of reference, a lot of you know we've been recording this for a long time. Endgame has been out for three weeks now. And I gotta say, everything from the last like 12 years-ish, I mean a little over a decade, has just been absolutely insane to watch. What they have done with these characters, it's crazy. The fact that they have dedicated their entire production staff, their, their studio, to generating a decade-long storyline is just mind-boggling. Like the, I don't know any other studio that would commit to that amount of time to develop this kind of a story to let it pay off uh, right now yeah, in I 2019. Mean, so to give you guys an idea of payoff, Iron Man 1 earned $318.4 million in the United States, and overall, worldwide, it grossed $585.2 million. And Endgame has blown that out Endgame of the water. Endgame is currently sitting at like $2.7 billion. I think it's a, like the number two movie right now, and there's a good chance it's going to take over number one before it's done. It is that good. I can't imagine that it won't. Uh, so it's it's insane how much money that this has all made in a whole. And what's even crazier than that is how they've been able to personify these characters. I mean, the casting for Tony Stark as Robert Downey Jr. may have been one of the best castings of all time. Without Robert Downey Jr., you would not have an MCU at this point. I, they would have lost money on the first movie, and it would have been, all been over. I 100% agree. Now, as much as I love Iron Man, as much... 
as much as I love the MCU, I'm going to have to just absolutely thrash on Iron Man 3 for a minute. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it's horrible. Are so you kidding here's me? The, here's the only reason I can say that, because uh, I bashed on it when we first started this episode. <laughs> uh, you and my wife both have set the bar so low for Iron Man 3 that by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, it was okay. I can see that. I mean, literally for weeks when we've been reading this, everyone around Wes has been telling him like, oh, Iron Man 3 sucks. Don't even waste your time. And they're not wrong. It was a horrible movie. Uh, What they did to the extremist virus was just insulting. Having this guy, Killian, be kind of the forerunner behind extremists, I didn't really like that character at all. And then for them to take the Mandarin and make him the like... (sighs) I don't even the the avatar in front of extremists. It was just like, fr- like just enjoy this moment of silence of how bad this choice was. So Adam, we are getting near the end now, and I have a question for you that I promised our listeners from the very beginning of last episode. If you had to make an armor for yourself, and the key word is for yourself in everyday life, what would you make? Man, that's a tough question Uh, because, I mean, so it's interesting. I am an IT guy. I work uh, with servers all day long. I I work with a lot of very, very brilliant individuals in the IT world. Having an AI like Tony would do a lot of my work for me. And it's interesting seeing some of the stuff that happens in Microsoft Azure. Like, they can do so much stuff with that now that it's really impressive some of the AI they already have out there. So it's not too far from something like what Tony Stark's got. Now, I got to say, though, if I was going to have something for myself that was not work-related, right, I think I'd just want an Iron Man suit to be able to get through traffic. Like, just plow through traffic. Like, I don't even really need a suit. I just want to be able to have the feet part so I can fly. I was about to say, do you want to fly or do you just want to bust through traffic? But I also need the the cow catcher front where my arms, like, combine, yeah. like, in a suit form. <laughs> and I can just plow through. Like, I'm thinking, like, a Hulk buster, but just traffic buster. Oh, uh, okay. Right? That's good. That's Because there's cool. nothing more infuriating to me than sitting at I, on I-40 just being like, all right, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait to wait get to work. And wait. And wait. What about you, Wes? What would you do? They've actually already invented my suit. I just got to go get one. All right, all right. Uh, Have you seen the videos of the exoskeleton where people can move heavy boxes and then they can flip a switch and it turns into a seat so they can just sit down? Yeah. Uh, My everyday life is a carpenter in a theatrical production shop. Like to be able to use an exoskeleton uh, suit to assist me in carrying sheets of plywood, lumber. Like it, it would make my job and my knees and back so much better. I can only imagine, yeah, for someone that is just constantly doing the work that you do, it would make life totally different. And I want the jet boots too, so I can hover twenty feet up in the air when I need to refocus a light. That would be amazing. Oh, so much better than getting up on a thirty foot ladder. Thirty foot ladder or in a genie and wait for it to go up in a bucket and then you have the legs out and you can't move. Like to just be able to float there in midair and just like zip over to the light and zip over to it would be <sighs> It would be nice. It would be very nice. Yeah. I, you know, what's interesting is, and this is kind of a thought that I think I might have mentioned in our last episode about Iron Man. During the 60s and the 70s, Star Trek and Star Wars really helped f- kind of shape my future, right? Because I was born in a time when having a desktop was normal. So I grew up with a laptop. I grew up with a desktop. Like, I've grown up with technology. I fully believe that the Iron Man suit, that Tony Stark, the MCU, will, f- will probably shape my children's future the way that Star Wars and Star Trek shaped mine. 
I mean, we have iPads now because at some point in time, someone saw it on a Star Trek episode. You're absolutely right. Steve Jobs wanted a wanted the, the notepad, pretty much. Yeah. And, and so he invented the iPad, and it worked. And I get the feeling that when I'm, you know, 40 years old and my child is in their 20s, which is really crazy to think about, we'll have Iron Man suits. Like, we'll, we will have things that the MCU has inspired. I'll settle for flying car first. Actually, I'll settle for a good self-driving car first. Yeah, well, Elon Musk is going to have us all figured out. And he was actually in Iron Man 3. Was he really? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, Elon Musk was in Iron Man 2. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was in Iron Man 2. He is at the uh, the racing scene. Like, whenever they're... I don't, have you seen Iron Man 2? Yeah, long time long ago. Long time ago. So whenever they're racing, he's actually in the bar. And, he like, Tony even says, hey, Elon. And Elon's like, hello. Like, Tony and Elon know each other, right? So we're oh, going to have flying Iron Man suits because Elon will make them. That sounds as crazy as uh, Stan Lee reading the script for uh, Mall Rats right. on the bus in the MCU. <laughs> right. Like, if it's Stan Lee reading... That, but then it's Stanley and he Stanley is timeless. Stanley is timeless. Rest in peace. So that is it for Iron Man, the comic book universe for us for at least a little while. At least a little while. We have so much Iron Man we could read. We could revisit them, I'm sure. Oh um, man. Uh, but this is also the end of season one for comic book cabinet. Adam, we have done it. Ten, nine or ten episodes, depending on how you want to actually look at it. We've got it all put together. We have read a ton of comics. Oh my god! And it has been so much fun. This is my first time, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, catching up on what is happening in the Marvel universe and the DC universe, and learning where everything started and what it's like to actually read comics, where to find them, how to figure out uh, how to read them, what order to read them in. Uh, Without your help, that couldn't have happened. Thank you. Dude, thank you for reading them with me. This is what it's all about, is getting people into reading comics and introducing them to a whole new art form, really. I mean, that's what comics are, right? They're just another art form. Please find us on Twitter. Talk to us about them. Uh, yell at us about all the mistakes that we have made over the last 10 episodes. I know I have made a few. Oh, I know I've made a few. I know Adam has made more than a few. Absolutely. <laughs> and luckily for you guys, I caught him most of the time, but there's a few that slipped through the cracks. Uh, so find us on Twitter. Dude, go join our Discord server. It is one of the best places I have ever visited. We have uh, a lot have of awesome folks in there. Amazing community that's getting built there. And if we could add some people to talk about comic books, we have a channel just for you. Come and let us know what you're reading, why you enjoy reading it, uh, why you hated the last comic book you read, why you loved it. And get excited for season two of Comic Book Cabinet because we're going to do something a little different. We've been reading like what, 200 to 300 comics every two weeks for the last seven or eight months? Every it's been episode. Crazy. So we're going to take a little bit of a break next season, just a small break, and we're going to read some graphic novels that have been turned into movies. So think like Watchmen. Uh, 300? Uh, there's one I saw on Netflix called Polar. I am pushing really hard to do that one. We don't have the lineup made yet, so if you have some suggestions, it's probably too late by the time this airs. Uh, but maybe throw them out at us. If we've got time and we haven't quite finished up yeah. season two, we'll add it. Yeah, we'd love to. I mean, the fact of the matter is there are hundreds of graphic novels out there, and all of them are good for one reason or another. We've got a small list now, but send us what you want us to read. And we're talking like seven issues instead of 200 issues. We're talking about a two-and-a-half-hour movie instead of... Of like, what is this? Eleven years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to keep right. up with. I'm trying to think. Uh, so, how many comics have we read for season one? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I would nine, say eight episodes times two, 1,600 comics. I would say you're probably close to right. I don't want to actually count. I'm gonna say 1,600, and that's the end of it. Yep, I, and I'm gonna 2, agree. 000, 
Uh, that's about 2,000 more comics than I've ever read in my entire life. It has been an absolute blast. We hope you have enjoyed it too. So come find us on Twitter, find us on Discord, join us. Thank you for listening to the Comic Book Cabinet. My name is Wes. My name is Adam, and we'll see you for season two. Yeah!